0: And welcome to Manga Mangasplaining, the show where we recommend great manga to folks who haven't read much manga before. Hosted by myself, David Brothers, as well as Debaoki, Christopher Butcher, and Chip Zdarsky. Follow along with our show notes and reading lists at mangasplaining.com. And I feel like I've done the intro a little bit better, but we're just going to roll with it tonight because we've got to talk <laughs> about Mobile Suit Gundam The Origin by Yoshikazu Yasuhiko. Keep messing that up. And published by Vertical Press in the U.S., so I chose this because Gundam is fascinating to me because for years I just did not get it. And it's the sort of thing that looms so large in kind of the Japanese pop culture sphere that like not getting, it feels like not, not understanding Superman a little bit Mm. or like (laughs) not knowing a little bit about the X-Men. And like it, I found a couple of different entryways into the series in terms of animation, but very little in terms of comics until Mobile Suit Gundam The Origin came out. And this was explicitly intended, actually, to both build the Gundam mythos and also be an entryway for it into the West. Like We'd had Mm. series like Gundam Wing or G Gundam before, but we didn't have like the core first Gundam really translated for our audiences over here. Mm. So in Japan, and also there are essays in the back of the book that talk about this, they solicited the series and they tapped Diaz to draw it, who was the original character designer for Gundam back in 1979. And it is sort of infamous. I know a lot of artists who love this, like they think it's one of the best books ever. Others who have never heard of it and would never pick it up because it's Gundam, it's like deep anime. Mm. So I wanted to bring it to the manga splitting crew because we all, I think, approach it from slightly different angles. Like I'm kind of fascinated and really curious. I know. Chip has probably never heard of it before. I know Deb's a little bit familiar. Christopher, I don't know your experience with Gundam, but we'll, I'm sure we'll get into it.
1: Oh, we and, will. Don't
0: you yeah, worry, we Will.
2: <laughs> I mean, I've, I've heard of it because I follow you on Instagram and <laughs> your stories are all you painting Gundams. Yeah, over. that's all I do okay. now. <laughs> and we're going to get into
0: that as well. There's a lot of Gundam to get into. <laughs> but to explain it for our fans, and if I'm making it sound overcomplicated, I'm sorry. Really... It's a comic book. Pick it up, read it, or don't. It's that simple. Gundam is the story of a young boy and a giant robot that he basically begins piloting by luck in the midst of a war far in the future. And this robot is so strong compared to other giant robots that it's like a battleship versus an airplane. So intensely powerful. He instantly becomes basically Iron Man in a world of like regular dudes. And there's like rivalries. It's a space opera. There's like a lot of political intrigue and things like that. And somehow, some way, it ended up defining the real robot genre in Japan, which is Mm. sort of like a hard sci-fi take on giant robots. Like they're powered by fuel. There's a lot of technology involved in that kind of thing. And over the past 40 years, 40 odd years, it's grown into a genuine powerhouse. And now all four of us have read all of Mobile Suit Gun and the Origin Volume 1. Most of.
1: No, we I, I read it. You guys, you, all did of it. did we all make it through?
0: We did. Awesome. I was a little <laughs> bit worried. It's, a, it's kind of a big chunk of a book to get through. But so I want to do something a little bit different in terms of giving our impressions this time. Before you tell us what you think, can you tell us what you know about Gundam and then tell us your take on this volume? I'm going to start with Christopher, because I know
1: you're good for a take. Good for a take. Gundam is like Doraemon to me or was like Doraemon in that it's this big, huge, influential, massive property in Japan mm-hmm. that has no had no penetration in the West basically since its inception all the way. And like we would get little things like like you were saying, we got Gundam Wing was the first anime that we ever got in North America. Gundam Wing is like an alternate universe spinoff that uses some of the same ideas, but it's not even set in the like main Gundam timeline. Mm -hmm. I was in a, I was in a, I was in an anime bar in Golden Guy in Shinjuku, (laughs) and they're like, "Oh, do you know whatever?" And I'm like, "Yeah, like I, I was there with my friend. We both learned anime. It was actually the kira friend. We both watched anime from a young age." And they're like, "Oh, do you know Gundam?" I'm like, "Yeah, just Gundam Wing." And they're like, "What?" And I'm like, "Gundam Wing." And they're like, "That's the only Gundam. You know, it's like that's literally the only one they've translated." for like it was on tv everything else like sometimes limited edition blu-ray or whatever and they were just like gundam wing like so disgusted like so disappointed
2: <laughs> you're the one that walked into an anime bar come on yeah, yeah
1: it's fine i also well sorry we had to leave the anime bar after i said that garen logan wasn't as good as flcl
3: and then those started being thrown oh
1: okay and then they just literally turned away from me and started talking to somebody else And that was it. I put money on the counter and walked out. That's amazing. People have strong opinions about anime. And one of those strong opinions is Gundam Wing (laughs) is not the best of the Gundams. Despite the fact (laughs) it was huge here. They released it. Yeah. Everyone loved Gundam Wing. It was on like basic cable. So people lost their shit about it. It was really great. Yeah. Gundam. And then, sorry, I don't know how many selfies. I could probably put like a hundred selfies in the show notes of me with the giant Gundam in Odaiba. Mm. Mm. as well did that took many a cartoonist there to get their own selfies to giant gundam <laughs> and yeah just being in japan you can't you can't avoid gundam it's like it's everywhere and it's more omnipresent in a way even than star wars here is in north america mm. but i hadn't other than like i think i watched most of wing and a couple of random other like ovas here or there or tried to yeah i didn't have much of an impression a personal impression of it just that it was this huge thing that other people liked. I've built a couple of small kits as well, because, you know, you're, you're a young nerd. You've got to figure out if this is your thing or not. There's no, there's no ignoring it. At some point, you have to build a Gundam model, and I did. And I did pretty good. It was like an entry-grade kits. It wasn't a big deal. As will judge I thought, them in the show notes. Yeah, we'll, we'll explain <laughs> what all the different grades of kit are in the show notes. The, the biggest takeaway for me is that this is, this is a foundational work. And yes, this manga is an adaptation of the foundational work, which is the anime from nineteen seventy-nine. Mm-hmm. And this is like the same guy who directed the anime coming back and retelling that story as manga. But this is a found like this this idea of like a young boy piloting a mecca is a foundational work to most of the stuff that happened in the eighties that came afterwards. Things like Robotech wouldn't have happened without this. There's so much in Robotech that's cribbed from this. There's so much in Evangelion that's cribbed from this. And that's I mean, this edition that we're reading has like a introduction or an afterword or whatever you want to call it by Hidekiano, who created Evangelion. So I don't think he's going to be too upset about me saying that, but like <laughs> everything stole from this that came afterwards. But also, this stole from everything that came before it. Like that Gundam has a lightsaber. Like you can call it a beam saber <laughs> for copyright reasons, but <laughs> that Gundam has a lightsaber. I mean, it's pretty cool. It's a giant robot. It's like, thousand feet tall and it's got a lightsaber that's pretty cool there's definitely some star warsy stuff in terms of how they chose the costume design and things like that but like yeah i wish this had come out like i wish that this had been one of those tv series that along with like star blazers and force five and all the stuff that chip watched in the late 70s and early 80s i wish that this had been one of those because it Mm -hmm. would have changed i think everything that came after in terms of how we look at anime and what the foundational works are and it would have rippled in a really interesting way especially because it kind of just keeps going like yeah. just keeps <laughs> going so yeah i think it's as for whether i enjoyed it or not i'm still actually not sure i recognize mm-hmm. that it's really good like it's really well done the mangaka i really liked yeah i'm more interested in it in terms as like like it's like it's oh you know it, this is like marvels this is like getting an alex ross caliber like whatever you think about alex alex ross this is getting an artist who's at like the top of his game beloved high caliber to come back and redo the marvel universe in painted style except instead of it being one 200 page book it's it's 12 350 page (laughs) books and it's that's what this feels like it's like yeah the foundation retold with an updating luckily one of the original dudes was still a part of it is the guy doing the updating yeah, I don't know if I like it. I don't know if I, I don't dislike it, but I think it's, I'm glad I read it. I'm glad I read it. Okay. Yeah. Interesting.
2: So I, I before we go on, can we just clarify the, the history of this? So there was a TV show. Yes. And then this.
0: Well, uh, well, there was a TV show in 1979 that okay. came out and flopped. It The ratings weren't great. And gotcha. the movies were even worse. Okay. For some reason, they caught some momentum. Like, the fans started noticing they made better model toys, which drew more attention to the series. A little bit like okay. Star
3: Trek in that
0: like had
2: a life afterwards.
3: Yeah, like yeah. fans yeah. caught on and then it it just went they from made there.
0: A trilogy of movies that adapted the first T V series into kind of one story, and then that sort of kicked everything off. It was like stratospheric mm-hmm. after that.
2: The person that made this book Mm-hmm. Was like the creator of it, the director? Uh, the
0: character designer and occasional, I believe, episode director of the first animation.
2: And so did they do manga before they did that? Nope. They This so, was one of their
1: early gigs, but they did manga
0: wow. after. Sorry. Yeah. So the actually, animation
1: was the, was the early gig. This is much later in their career. They've yeah, this is 2001. Many yeah. other yeah. manga come out.
3: It's about 30 years okay. after, 20 or 20, 25 years after the anime... Was there, and it's basically, I guess it's a revamp or a retelling of the story in a way that kind of kind of ties up a lot of the weird loose ends. It also it also is geared at grown up readers, whereas Mm -hmm. I think the original Gundam has a very definite kid slant. Yes, (laughs) where you know the 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 spunky little kid characters are there, and
2: well, yeah, yeah. I mean, this whole thing has a kid slant, like. It's a Mm. 15-year-old that gets into a robot, and all of a sudden he's allowed to pilot this thing all the time. Most
3: kids who get into their first car bang into something, right? So it's like, yeah, yeah.
0: amazing. I mean, he kills like three people, so.
2: Yeah. Yeah, It's It's like like a kid getting into a tank.
0: Yeah. (laughs)
2: Imagine a general being like, you know what? All right, stay in that tank. (laughs) I like the cut of of your jib.
0: Deb, let's go with you next. We talked a little bit about this this weekend.
2: We sure did. <laughs>
3: Gundam is pretty much has been something that has is, the appeal of Gundam has escaped me for years. Mm-hmm. Frank, I'm going to be frank. It always felt too too complicated, too too I don't know too I much kept, <laughs> too much like too much detail. Like it's it's like an inch. It's like an engineering nerd's idea of what a fun comic is. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> mm. <laughs> wow I,
3: I'm, I, and I work with engineering all the live long day but it's you know like oh mechanics and this and that and then and then the half of the thrill of it is building something right and then people get inspired by the mechanics of it they're like oh I want to make this you know I want to make a mm. real robot so that when it, I feel like sometimes it's it's a little bit like Star Wars in that if you were in seventh grade, sixth or seventh grade, when Star Wars came out, oh, my God, you love Star Wars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and then if you're, you know, 10, 15 years later, you watch Star Wars again, you think, what was I thinking? <laughs> this is kind of <laughs> mediocre. But, you know, that's you being a grown up and being jaded and whatever, right?
2: First yeah. of all, how dare you? <laughs> We're gonna take this to Star Wars blaming. Yeah. <laughs> so I,
3: it's like so, so. when the manga came out, I thought, okay, this is an opportunity for me to try to understand what's going on.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: I mean, obviously, I can, I know enough of this stuff to say, okay, that's a Transformers. that's a Gundam, that's a Tensogen twenty eight, <laughs> that's an Evangelion. It's like I can identify the different giant robots. Like some people can identify different species of ducks. Yeah. I, I I know that much. <laughs> now, why one is better or more interesting or influential than the other, kind of flies over my head a little bit. Mm. So when this came out, because it is such a seminal, influential franchise, mm. I went and bought the first three volumes, and I bounced on it after that. <laughs> wow! Because I just exciting. well, because I just couldn't justify spending another thirty bucks for the next volume per the next 12 Mm
4: -hmm. but
3: but you know i i treated it like a high school student reading the odyssey like like (laughs) i I gotta read i gotta read this goddamn homer (laughs) shit because it's a classic but (laughs) it just doesn't move me yeah but then i gave it another chance because you know you've been talking about it a lot Mm -hmm. it's now the Gundam movies are now on Netflix. I watched the first Gundam movie, which is basically an, a, a distillation of the first uh, series. And I read that before I reread the manga again.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And it gave me a new appreciation for the manga. Oh, because cool. it, it is so much better told. Mm-hmm. The art's nice. The, the the way that he frames the action and the emotions of the characters is so much more compelling than it is in the anime, which I I gotta be frank, it's 1979 cheap ass anime.
4: <laughs>
3: and a lot of the action in there demands that you be a eight-year-old boy who takes everything at face value. Yeah. I am not an eight-year-old boy, and I'm thinking seeing things like scenes like, oh, Amuro, okay, his there's the giant robot on a truck. And then the cave nearby the truck blows up, a manual flies out of the cave, lands at his feet (laughs) he reads the manual, and he immediately knows how to pilot this goddamn robot. Like I said, you have to there is a massive amount of suspension of disbelief. (laughs) You must you must accept to enjoy Gundam. I think I needed to smoke some pot or something. Mm. Because my my deep my like Oh come on!
2: No, there's, oh sus- there's suspension of disbelief, and then there's expulsion of disbelief. Yeah, Sometimes uh, that would be expulsion. <laughs> but, the, yeah.
3: but the but the but mo- the the manga version, on the other hand, ties up a lot of things more neatly. Mm-hmm. The characters are much more interesting and complex. Mm-hmm. The way that the action is framed is much more interesting. So I would say you can watch both if you're really curious about what Gundam is. Mm-hmm. It'll help you to watch both. But I will say that this is a
2: superior experience
3: of the book. The manga is a superior experience of the story. Awesome.
2: Hmm.
0: And Chip, how about you?
2: Uh, all I knew about Gundam was you painting them.
0: Oh, yeah. So I went to ask, <laughs> could you guess anything about the story or the vibe of the series from seeing my obsession over the past couple months?
2: Well, I, I also knew about the giant Gundam. Okay. Probably because I've seen a lot of pictures of Chris with the giant Gundam. <laughs> my main link to Gundam isn't really a link to Gundam. It's what Chris mentioned earlier, force five, which is the animated Mm. shows that we got here in Canada. And they almost all revolved around people piloting giant robots. Okay. So while I didn't know what Gundam was, I had a sneaking suspicion. There was somebody inside that robot. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And that it wasn't just the robot. So that's it. That's, that's all I I knew about it Mm -hmm. until you forced me to buy this book. (laughs) <laughs> and then forced you to read it <laughs> and then forced me to read it on top of that uh, I read it relatively quickly uh, last night and today but last night's session uh, reminded me that I need to get um, uh, reading glasses
4: <laughs>
2: because <laughs> the, the format is there's a lot of really tiny things happening in, in this hmm. that I was uh, struggling with a little bit but I found it really fascinating because I, I, I bought it and I'm sharing my studio with my old high school friend who introduced me to manga in That's high awesome. school Wow, because he he was the guy that like was buying when I was buying like Preacher and Hellblazer. So when I I told him I was getting this, he's like, "Oh my god, that is the best book." He's mm-hmm. like, it, "It's the most. It's the it's the most best illustrated thing I think there there exists in manga." I'm like, wow, like wow, that, that just kind of blew me away. And then the book showed up. And I flipped through. And I'm like, I don't know about that. It's really really good, but I don't think I've ever seen. Such a technical book about a lot of technical things, illustrated in such an organic style. Yeah, which I found I found really, yeah, really interesting to look at. I found it very hard to follow as a result of that because things weren't as kind of clearly or cleanly delineated. The color pages in this are great.
0: Oh, I was going to ask.
2: Yeah. Which I was, was going <laughs> to say. I know I rarely say that, but the color pages in here are not only really great, they really help with kind of the action, like kind of making sense of what's happening.
0: Oh, they provide a lot of depth, I think, too.
2: They they really do, and it's just an excellent palette and really well painted. So, that was a really pleasant surprise. It was also a super pleasant surprise to have it kind of pop up through the book. <laughs> not just cuz like when i when i finished the first few pages i was like, "no, oh, all right, here we go. Just the black and white." <laughs> so from a tactical perspective, i'm like i found it really fascinating the the organic nature of these non-organic creations. I bounced a little bit off of it, but the layouts and the 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 kind of the the decisions made and what to focus on from panel to panel were really really interesting. Mhm. Which you don't really see a lot in North American comics, and rarely in, in manga. So, so even though like I had trouble following it sometimes, I was still really drawn into the illustration style. Yeah, the choices made on on the pages. I almost laughed when the kid got into the robot so I'm like, oh, I'm like, this is this, this is that kind of story, and then I laughed again when like the decision was made that the kids just keep <laughs> piloting this robot. Yeah. And like, yeah, you can, you you can see throughout this, like really setting characters into places and being like, all right, this is the kind of story you're in for everyone. Yeah. I like the character stuff, the dialogue heavy scenes more than the action stuff, just because at least when people are talking, I can follow it more. (laughs) (laughs) So the lettering in this is very tricky. Because everything's so small and like so often, it's just like a, a word, just like written top to bottom. And I know it's a, it's just the nature of the beast. But also, it, it would definitely pull me out of the story every so while. I'd have to stop and refocus in mm-hmm. order to kind of actually have a reading experience. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I, I found it, I found it really, really fascinating, interesting. I probably wouldn't pick up volume two, mm-hmm. but if volume two uh, appeared in front of me, I would, <laughs> I would probably keep going. You know
0: nice yeah i wasn't sure where our panel would come down on this book because it's such a specific thing yeah and i'm trying to think of where i want to let's talk about the art for a little bit so yaz like just nicknamed yaz for years now he worked on gundam for a very long time he designed a lot of characters worked on a lot of animation and then he quit the anime industry and it was like never again because one of his movies had a very poor reception and like a magazine, there's there's a magazine in Japan that's very closely linked with things like this. Um Anime wait, Animage? Animage Animage, yeah. Animage, yeah. So Animage did not support his movie, and he was like, Wow, I'm done. And he quit and drew manga for 20 <laughs> years. And he was drawing manga about like Joan of Arc, not even, you know, action manga necessarily. He did yeah. a biography of Jesus. Wow. wow. And then You know, he was like, I'm done with Gundam. It's like a black mark on my history. And then they convinced him to come back, presumably with like a truckload of money and a lot of, you know, like very kind entreaties. And they launched a magazine for this to run in Gundam Ace. And this was like the prestige story. Like this was the reason people picked up the magazine. The color pages were very intentional because normally you don't get all these color pages in one series. Yeah. But because this is Gundam and because this was the flagship series in a new magazine, Sky's the limit, money-wise, I guess. <laughs>
4: All
0: right. <laughs> and him coming back is significant because it is cool that one of the original creators came back to do the retelling, revisiting, but he differs from Yoshiyuki Tomino, who is the like the creator-creator, the original guy, in that they, they're excited about different aspects of Gundam. So this okay. tends to focus in on certain things that this TV series... Or it tends to ignore certain things that TV series might have dug into like the idea of new types, like evolved humans. Yaz is more like, let's just talk about human beings. While Tamina was like, no, let's talk about the next evolution of human beings. Okay. So in my head, I've been thinking of it. It's sort of like if there was Batman Year 2 just by David Mazzucchelli. And it was like his take. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) All that stuff. But in terms of understanding Gundam, I kind of have to think of it as like, this is a Marvel universe where Gundam's the core and then everything kind of springs out from that. The alternate yeah. series Chris mentioned, like Gundam Wing, the, this timeline is like exhaustively detailed. Like, I think it lasts from 0079 up to 123 or something like that. And it's like one story. The ship's captain, Bright, that you see here, mm-hmm. and the kind of klutzy navigator, Mirai, they yeah. get married and have a kid. And that kid started the movie that was on Netflix this year. it's like that kind of interconnect (laughs) yeah yeah which is partly why i was so intimidated by gundam i'm like this is really like x-men comics like this is hardcore continuity but i finally got over it when i was like i'll just watch one and i'll find one to like and i'll ignore this stuff that i don't understand and i think this book does a really good job of filtering out all the stuff that i didn't understand or want to know and just Mm -hmm. turning it into kind of one story see i like this quite a bit i'm kind of with chip and actually i'm with all of you where i wouldn't I didn't continue reading it when it first came out and it took me a little bit to get into it, but I think that now that I am into it and kind of looking at the art and that sort of thing, I'm going to keep up with it, but sort of on a longer timeline, you know, not necessarily weekly. Yeah. yeah.
2: It's interesting you say this is like a, this massive universe because mm-hmm. it kind of flies in the face of what I've kind of come to expect from manga Yeah, because that just sounds like a Marvel book, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the thing i love about manga that everyone always you know argues about online is like manga is superior because you pick a volume 1 and there you go and you can start the story and how do you do that with marvel but like with this like even your description of like how it started yeah <laughs> and where this takes place and when it was made it feels so convoluted like i'm surprised it's popular yeah.
3: but that's the but the convolutedness appeals to a certain type of fan
2: because oh, yeah. they, oh, have I the,
3: know that. they have the patience to <laughs> untangle this all. Yeah. And, and they take great pride in being able to untangle this all.
2: That's true. I, I know those fans quite well, mm. being a Marvel writer.
1: <laughs> it's interesting you mention that, though, because it is exactly, I feel like it's the same thing as the Marvel movies, where like there is that surface level that you can just dip into. Whether you Mm -hmm. like to watch the Marvel movies and you don't want to dig into the current comics or the old comics or whatever, you can pick and choose aspects of the fandom that appeal to you in the format that appeals to you. And I think that's maybe one of the things that makes this successful is that there are lots of comics Gundam. Some are original Gundam stories and comics. Some are adaptations. But the first Gundam stuff, like this stuff, the 0079 stuff, there wasn't really a good format comic version. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden they went back and they're like, it's you know, it's like that announcement this week that Tashin is going to start doing Marvel masterworks instead of Marvel having to do them and keep them (laughs) in because they they kind of can't. So yeah, it's like Tashin's going to do these oversized like collections shot from original, you know, issues of the Lead Ditko Spider-Man, Avengers, Iron Man, and one other one. Uh, Which is like not all those are good, Hmm. but whatever. But like it's that idea. It's like we're going to create the classic version of our stuff so that people and can keep it them. in
3: print god damn and it. keep it in
1: print and have a yeah. volume uh, like we'll see about that that's a series though well sorry in north america this might not have be in print even right now actually you never know but in <laughs> japan they've done two or three editions of this that have and they've kept at least one of them in print if not two there so that, i think that's a big deal spinoff series as well. i have
0: a question
3: yeah. too about this was this originally published in a, a larger page format
0: I do not know. Like a
3: like magazine size format. Like this is bigger than the typical manga. But yeah. it's, it's like Chip was saying, and I agree too, it feels dense.
1: So what for the so size this is, of the page. This is not actually the first time that Gundam the Origin was released in English, which is not a lot of people know about because it was released at a really weird time. So Viz actually did yeah. an edition of Gundam the Origin in North American comic book size, which would be a little bit bigger. Than this by one by like half a dimension or something like that, like magazine size. And the magazine that it ran in in Japan was bigger as well. Like it was closer to a North American comic book size. So I think the Japanese editions are pretty much the same size as this, like the book collection editions. But it did mm-hmm. see print much larger than, or sorry, reasonably larger than than what we're looking at here. And it does feel cramped on the page. But I actually think that's down to the mangaka in a certain couple of ways, like. There's just as an aesthetic, let's say, to his mm-hmm. art that harkens back to a different period of manga. And that period of manga had more small panels, more stuff crammed onto the page, sort of more of a European influence in some ways. And I think we're going to see some of that with Nausicaa as well when we get to that in a few weeks. Luckily, oh, those are I'm printed really in big in, in English. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think that the robots almost demand like the busyness and the crampedness. like People want to see these details. Yeah. If you look at all the fiddly circles, yeah.
3: Like if you look at page 267, that's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine panels Yeah, of, of a lot of dialogue. That's, a, that's unusual in manga. Yeah. That's wow. a lot that's,
4: for manga. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it's still well drawn too. Like the staging is still really good on this page with the raised hands kind of being a motif in the faces.
3: He's yeah. packing a lot of, a lot of things in this book and there's not, there's, he's, Every now and then you'll get like a double page spread of magnificent space explosions. Yeah. But other than that, there's a lot of density.
2: It is funny. Cause like uh, uh, looking at a lot of the dialogue pages, like the comic book writer slash editor in me wants to go in and trim it. Yeah. <laughs> like there are so many panels. I'm like, well, those three panels are actually one panel or, you know, him saying that in that panel doesn't need to be there anymore. Like yeah. there's a lot of that feels like it could be trimmed from this.
0: There's, especially in localization, I think, sometimes people get married to having the same amount of words and the same word balloons. And I think that leads to that feeling quite a bit. Because yeah. there's always, like, if you don't have some kind of, like, an ellipsis or a comma or something connecting to balloons, it, sometimes it looks very strange. But if you just, like, shift things around a little bit, it reads so much more smoothly. I think that this book benefits from having one of the original creators and not a super fan do the retelling of the origin. Yeah, because now that I've seen a lot of Gundam, I pick up on a lot of different homages and things that happen over and over. Like in chapter five, it's kind of halfway through the book, page 223, which is a black and white page immediately after a color page. And it's the Gundam getting kicked by the Zaku. So like that kick has been homaged in multiple things. Like it's an iconic moment, like Ren breaking the chains. But <clears> he draws <throat> it in such an understated, like, this is just part of the fight kind of way. Yeah. And that's exciting to see because it shows like that the focus isn't necessarily on remember this so much as here's what makes this good. Yeah. Like there's such a fine line revisiting things. I feel sometimes.
2: Hmm. The, the, the kick, what I really love is the panel before the color panel. That feels like an iconic shot to me. It's just like the the bottom of the foot and like blurring out the rest of the, the, the mech. Yeah. That's really funny. That's really nice. (laughs)
0: So, Chris, mm. Gundam Wing. What was it? Did you like it or did you watch it?
1: It was just unlike anything I had seen before. It has like okay. the Gundam pilot, the main Gundam pilot in the first episode, threatening to kill the class representative, like inviting him to her birthday party. Like it was just like, what the fuck is going on with this? Like, I'll kill you all, and you're like, you're fourteen. Like that's a. Yeah. That, and this is pre Columbine, pre everything, pre active shooter drills. Like it was no one had any ever seen anything like this it it kind of blew up the manga mm-hmm. tokyo pop brought it over right away it sold incredibly well there was like spin-offs the dvds and the vhs i think at that point even still did really well like it was just crazy and so plus it had like it only had five different gundam designs for the five different pilots from different different countries and they were all pretty good too the wing i thought the wing mecha designs were pretty fun but for me like mm-hmm. i grew up on robot shows so it was just like I was a little too old <laughs> for it for as a robot show, but it was pretty good. And it wasn't designed for me as a grown up either. Like it was still clearly like an edgy teen thing, and it came out just before Evangelion sort of released mm-hmm. worldwide. And so that was a lot more my speed. But Gundam was like Gundam Wing was like a nice, nice little hit. I want to go back to something that you said about the art. Uh, I didn't want to yeah. j- step o- step on anybody who was talking about it, but it's just like this. Isn't detailed in the way that mecha stuff is detailed. And mm. I think Chip was talking about it a little bit. He was surprised at how organic the mm. mechanical drawings are, and they are. And I think that that's actually really speaks in its favor. It works best in the color pages, but even in the black and white, there is a level of detail there that's nice or whatever. But it's sort of like mm-hmm. when you see a, a mecha manga now it almost looks like the mecha are, are drawn by different people than the people who are drawing the characters because mecha fans are super fans they do de- demand a lot of the time a super deep level of like attention to detail and mechanical engineering like they want all the robots to be like dropped in from sketchup and then drawn on top of as opposed to like just drawn yeah. freehand and it's a bit like here i'm dating myself but I already have i think twice this episode it's a bit like when patley and dreamwave got the transformers license back oh, in the 90s yeah. and they did that those image moment. comics dreamwave transformers comics and all of a sudden it's like here's an illustration of optimus prime where you can see every like bolt on like his chassis and every like you know nut and screw and and everything and every seam like all the characters have seams where they would like their, their arms and legs would match up and stuff. And it's just like, here's the level of detail that we're going to bring to these, this kind of storytelling. Whereas previously, if you look at the transformer stuff that was drawn by Marvel, or even to an extent, some of the early manga stuff that that you edited, it's just drawn like it's comics. You know what I mean? Like you're just approaching it like a comic book and all of a sudden you're approaching it from like an architectural place. This doesn't have that. And a super fan manga would and other Gundam manga does even things that are like all right let's just go for it even things that are trashy manga <laughs> adaptations of anime that are like cash in garbage still have really beautiful mech drawings because that's yeah. what's selling those books like the all the various codename of the Revolution codename Gias manga stuff was all like not necessary like it was like all side stories all unnecessary to the anime it was all cash in stuff but the mecha always looked good super detailed this doesn't have that the Mecha move and flow and they all feel like part of a whole, you know what I mean? Like they're mm-hmm. all in the same universe and it looks really good in the way that the transformers manga that, that is was also published did. in the way that like, even like the Marvel comics superheroes take on the transformers that was published back in the eighties sort of did as well. It doesn't feel like it's different, but I think that you can't get away with that now. I think if I'll insert some images in the show notes to show what I'm talking about, but like contemporary Gundam, manga doesn't look like this it looks it looks like the it looks like all the the mecca are autocad drawings if that makes sense yeah and yeah. i think yeah. it a different, different feeling than this does and i think i like this better but it doesn't tickle that part of my brain that wants to see giant robots the same way if that makes sense yeah
0: Yeah. A good example, and this will be great for the show notes. I can send you some images, is Gundam Thunderbolt, which is an ongoing Gundam series. It's brand new, Mm. or ongoing now, I should say. And that artist is a very detailed type of guy, and he does like picture perfect photo reel robots. And he would use computer techniques sometimes to kind of do like the giant field of robots, like Brian Hitch style. Oh, nice. But it wrecked his wrists. Like he had a drawing injury already. And oh, it, no. it made it worse. So he changed his art style on volume 13. And now it looks more like this, which I think is really kind of cool. Mm. Yeah. Mm. But he wrote a letter apologizing, like, for the change of yeah. art and all this kind of thing. And it's like, wow. Dude, like this looks amazing. Why are, you, why are you? It's like seeing someone very good. And then they start over and get good again within, like, five chapters. Mm. Wow. Yeah. It's one of the best things. Deb, what did you think about the characters in this one? Did any kind of strike you as... Like, people you'd want to know more about?
3: Well, kind of like how Shinji in Evangelion is annoying. Like, everyone mm-hmm. says Shinji is whiny and, like, just get in the damn robot, damn it. <laughs> like, Amuro is, you know, kind of this teenage boy who's pretty headstrong and stuff like that, right? But, yeah. but like all fangirls. Char is way more interesting.
2: <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. I was actually I was actually really surprised when Char actually took the mask off. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah. Felt like, that felt like the kind of thing that you just like you keep hidden until like the final volume. I flag, I flag
3: that one because that is Fujoshi <laughs> that is Fujoshi Gold.
0: And isn't it a couple <laughs> pages later when he grabs the gun that Sela's holding and it's like a romance pose basically?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, oh. very sexy. <laughs>
3: That was the, that was a scene for me.
0: <laughs> yeah, and me. It's great. He's one of the best characters. There's Char becomes a character type like this, like brash blonde pilot who's kind of a bad guy, but an honorable bad guy. Yeah, they call them Char clones, even though they're not like literally clones. He's Some basically
3: the worst like type of. He's basically like the worst type of manager. He's got to yeah. do everything by himself.
0: Yeah, and he wants all the credit.
3: He wants all the credit. Like you know, like all the old man, you know, they're on the bridge going go and do this and launch this and do that. And, you know, they're all just on the bridge. You know, they're the managing this guy. He just gets in the company car and drives <laughs> out to the site and has a very strong meeting with the client and tells the client, what's <laughs> up, man.
0: I love that. He has his robot painted red. Yes. which yeah.
3: like, just makes him like guy. a giant target, right? Let's go. Let's <laughs> shoot the red guy. Like, yeah. Oh, end of the war. Let's kill. Char. Yeah. <laughs>
0: But Chip, you were saying about his expression?
2: Oh, I just like that it's just consistent throughout, which makes a character really, really cool in my yeah. estimation. <laughs> when like even when they're being like chewed up by their boss or whatever, he's just like, whatever, man. Yeah. yeah. This yeah. is it's what it great. is. That was a successful mission as far as I'm concerned.
0: His line about the follies of youth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and his yeah, eyebrows,
3: top notch.
0: Yeah, he's pretty great. In Gundam Unicorn, the char character is actually called full frontal first name full, last name frontal. Because <laughs> <That's great. laughs> another Gundam thing is that most mm. of the names are terrible. Mm. And I recently found an interview with Tomino where he's talking about it. he's like, Someone's like, you know, why do you choose these strange names? Like in Zeta Gundam, there's a character named Quattro Bagina. <laughs> like, come on. Like you had to have known. What
3: does he do? Like he just like gets like bags of Scrabble letters, throws them up in the air and says, yeah, that's the name.
0: It's him screwing with standards and practices. He's like, there's no way they'll approve this. And then they do. And
2: then he just runs with it. Oh, that's always, that's always a dangerous game of chicken.
1: Frabo. <laughs> oh, my God. What? Oh, that yeah, girl's, right? the poor girl's name is Fra. Frau. <laughs> I, I I I swear, I, <laughs> coming to this fresh, I literally thought that dude had heard the word "Frau," meaning like l- like young lady or miss, like Fraulein, yeah, like Fraulein yeah. or <laughs> and, or whatever in German. Misheard it and was like, oh, that's a name. He keeps calling this this lady Frau when I'm in Germany. Give me give that give give this pseudo German character the name Frau, and we're just gonna run with it, and we're gonna see what happens. Yeah, yeah, all intentional. Oh,
2: yeah. froze oh. in like a top 10 all time worst names. I think <laughs> <That's> pretty <laughs> right, funny. Right up
3: there, man. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. bra, bra. Chris, was this hard to get into for you? Like, was there were there any speed bumps?
1: No, I knew what to expect. Mm. I have friends that are like military otaku and like whatever. And it's like, this is just this is it. Right. Like, this is what they want. Yeah. Actually, this specific one probably isn't they probably all own it but it's not their favorite they just respect it a lot because <laughs> it doesn't have enough of the like little fiddly like whatever whatever they but they probably bought all three of the spin-off volumes that are is like a guide to all of the technology which by the way exists yeah. in japan it was not translated um, into english so sorry
2: can can i just say that um uh I now know that military otaku means military nerd. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Based on See, last episode. manga
0: explaining is working. Well, I yeah. know.
3: Good to know. It's yeah. all, it, it all builds on each other.
0: <laughs> yeah. yep. Actually, I chose this book, I think, because there's a Gundam reference in Tokyo Tower Areba Girls. And I was like, oh, maybe this isn't that weird of a choice for our podcast about manga newbies. Yeah.
1: No, this is like, I know it's getting less and less, but also more and more relevant kind of both at the same time. But like reading this is like, if you haven't read, if you haven't seen star Wars and you want to participate in contemporary culture, it's possible, but there's just going to be this thing that's everywhere that you don't know about. And you're like, what is, why are all these people so excited or angry all the time? Cause it's only one or the other all the time. You know what I mean? And it's like, okay, well I'll watch star Wars and try and figure it out. And you watch star Wars and you're like, yeah, but like none of the things they're excited or angry about are in the star wars and it's like oh no that's in like the three sequels the three prequels the side stories the novels you should definitely read the novels like it it just is this thing right where this gundam is, is exists as deep as you want to go into gundam there's no bottom mm-hmm. there's like you just keep going with gundam Or you could just read this and be like, oh, I kind of get it or watch three movies that are on Netflix and kind of get the gist of it as well. So yeah, I had no, I didn't, I knew what I was in for, but it is definitely Mm -hmm. a harder read than anything we've read. I'd say it's a harder read. That's fair. Than anything that we've read so far on the podcast, just in terms, just in terms of sheer density, like, and this is our first, this is the first of four classic manga that we're doing in a row it's like this common rider nausicaa and devil man and this is by far uh, this and nausicaa are the densest but even nausicaa has like i would say twice as many quiet moments in silent panels <laughs> as this does so this is like yeah. the densest thing we're going to read maybe maybe we will have read on the podcast i don't know that there's much more than this in english so i think that that's really interesting
4: mm-hmm.
1: and i think it could turn off a lot of people who aren't maybe expecting it like maybe they think it's going to be a rollicking space opera as you described it in the opening. And it's like, actually it's more of a military procedural where everyone's kind of bad at their jobs.
0: Yeah. There's space opera moments.
1: Yeah. And then right. There's
2: bureaucracy. Classic <laughs> yeah. suggestion by dense David.
1: Wow. <laughs> That's a new yeah.
2: nickname. That's awful. <laughs> Finally.
3: But there's something really different about Japanese war comics than American war comics.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Possibly because in Japan, the war came to their shores. Mm-hmm. Possibly in Japan, whole cities were leveled. Yeah. Possibly in Japan, people were orphaned, and just, just just so much, so much more impact of war than America yeah. ever has had to deal with on their shores. So the pers- you know, like c- comparing Sergeant Rock or any <laughs> other, you know, Joe Kubert type war comic with how Japan handles war comics, like Onward Towards Our Noble Death, even Akira, even. And this is considered a war comic. Like how mm-hmm. they... Oh, absolutely. I, I think we, we've all talked about like how even though it's like still whiz-bang, wow, robots, it the, everyone says this is an anti-war
1: story. Yeah. This is even too, like more tastefully trademark. handled than the animated adapts. I've only seen... I only watched the first half hour of the anime while we were just sort of waiting for the episode to start and like that scene right before I'm going to grab jumps in the Gundam for the first time. And he's like pushing fraud or like run to the base for safety after her mom dies. That's all done in like shadow. She finds like, she finds her mom on the battlefield after the explosion and you don't see the body. It's all sort of rubble and like, it's kind of indistinctly drawn in the anime. It's just like a field of individually colored, brightly colored, like jumpsuit bodies on like a gray, like stone background and it's like it's just dead daylight. just lots of dead people <laughs> broad daylight and you're just like this was a children's cartoon in 1979 like what is going like that's off actually but also oh yeah that's just you know we also have a godzilla attack every couple of years whenever the whenever toho wants to do a new movie and that levels a city block or two like and people die and it's just just a very different take on these kinds of like we didn't get this mm-hmm. level of like watching people die as the result of these giant conflicts in comics until like, maybe I, like maybe actually Mark Miller in the ultimates, like mm. that mm-hmm. kind of like some of the stuff that Ellis did in authority, maybe as well. But like, yeah, when you knock down a building with a superhero fight, probably a, a thousand a people full of people that die. Yeah. yeah. There's a building full of people die. Plus the building that the building falls into. And we actually talk about that a little bit. It always goes back to me for, does it pass the invisibles test? It's that part in series two where Quimper takes control of the mind of the soldier and has the soldier shoot his two comrades and then releases him. And then you find out in a later episode, like that soldier had like a whole life and a whole family and a, and a thing like that. Oh, and best then, man fall. Oh, best man fall from season one. Yeah. And then the, the soldier one with Quimper underground in season two, where they instantly recall that with a one page flashback mm. sequence where you get that thing. And it's just like, does it pass the invisibles test? Do any of these people feel like they had families and lives? And yeah, yeah, it does because you get to actually see like Amuro breaks down after he gets for away. And it's just like each body is individually drawn. That is what makes turns this from a, like an action adventure comic or an action adventure anime into a war mm-hmm. comic or a war anime yeah. for me where it's like, Oh, these are people. These aren't just like fun collateral damage things that happen. And I think that that's, that actually speaks a lot in its favor that it, that it, willing to treat this this seriously especially if you're going to slap a hardcover on it and print all the color pages and you're going to treat it like a prestige release if you got inside yeah. and it was just silly i don't know how i don't know how that's going to work how it's going to play for me
0: yeah the anti-war thing is really good and like if i had to describe military otaku comics versus war comics like western war comics yeah our stuff tends to be about personal achievement like mm. we need to be a hero we need to save our squad yada 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 well, books like this are more about the logistics and overall effect of war. Yeah. Because you spend as much time with like Bright telling Amro to pilot the robot the right way as Amuro fighting in space. Mm-hmm. You know, like being part of the collective matters a whole lot. And while like Sergeant Rock Comics always ended with make war no more, they were awesome war comics. Like Joe Kubert couldn't draw something boring if he tried. I don't yeah. think. Yeah. And this same thing. And Gundam's very exciting. I've seen... One Gundam series, it ended with like a 10-year-old boy like, being faced with mortality. Yeah. Like, I don't want to play war anymore. Another series, the main character is catatonic immediately after beating the bad guy, because mm-hmm. it was like such an exertion to get this job done. And in every Gundam series I've seen so far, there's a point where a teenager is like, why are you making us fight in your war? War is stupid. Adults always do this to us and help ruin the world, ruin the environment, and this kind of thing. And it's like such a funny through line for a series. that's fundamentally about like walking tanks. (laughs) The idea that war sucks. Yeah. But it's awesome to pilot them if you're 15 years old, but then like the war kind of kills, I don't know. It's like balancing two, two ideas that don't quite get along, but I think it does it pretty
2: well. Well, the interesting things for me was like I mentioned earlier that I I found some of the action stuff confusing, Mm -hmm. but I think a lot of it is intentionally. So like the cropping of the action and the, the panels and the mechanics is such that it really throws you off balance. Hmm. Yeah. Which makes it feel like a war comic and not an action comic.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Cause this reminds you just a little bit of like, I don't know, like saving private Ryan where yeah. like, it's just, it's just such a jumble and that's what war probably is. Yeah. I think, I think that's probably a deliberate choice of the artist.
1: I think what Deb was saying earlier is true is that when you look at the original seventies one too, Every action is super clear in a way that I think Chip as an artist would appreciate where it's like when the hand reaches out to grab the faceplate of the Zaku and rips the like, you know, a tube thing off of the front of it and whatever. Every action is like super clear, perfect outlines. Like it's really easy to visually read because your audience is really young in this. It's like so claustrophobic. You're not 100% sure what happened all the way through. And it makes I guess it depends on what you want because if you want mm-hmm. if you want to be able to follow what's going on in a way that like anime and manga are traditionally handed to you traditionally presented for you as a as a reader the anime is the way to go because you can understand exactly what's happening and it's clear if you want that sort of emotional raw experience i did find yeah like for as good as the sequences of people talking and interacting with each other were the sequences of the robots fighting were subpar and it's, I don't think it's because of a lack of ability. I do think, like Chip says, it's a, back, a lack of intent. Like he doesn't yeah. want to make it glamorous mm-hmm. in the way that people want it to be glamorous. Fans want yeah. it to be glamorous.
0: And your point earlier about there being no bottom to Gundam, aside from being a super funny
1: phrasing. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're all bottoms? Is that yeah, what you're trying was. to say, David? Yes, yeah, she's the bottom. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Except for Sayak, <laughs> maybe. have
0: to peg the model kits to hang them up. But but so we talked about. There's a lot of different types of Gundam. There's light novels, which are just like short, worse
1: versions of regular novels, according to Chris. (laughs) (laughs) Don't (laughs) according to (laughs) Chris. If you're going to say it and believe it, yeah, you got to own that one. They're they're like
3: they're just illustrated pulp
0: novels. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Like they're aimed for fans. They're very. If you find one for a series you like, you will probably like the book. Yeah, like just pure fan service. Yeah. There's model kits, there's toys, there's everything. Like, if you like Gundam, you don't even have to watch anime or read manga. You can just build model kits. And Deb pointed out that there's actually a model kit recycling program because it's, uh, they make like $700 billion or $700 million a year just off model kits Holy that are like sh- just Gundam, 90% of the market in Japan. So wow. obviously, that's like a lot of plastic. Yeah. It's yeah. Just garbage. <laughs> they have a place where you can mail the plastic to a place in Japan. They'll recycle it and make new kits out of it in like a special color because you know fans have to have the exclusivity. (laughs) They do, and like there are all these little things. Like there's like a Gundam symposium where it's like, what Gundam technology can we bring into the real life? You remember when our last president announced the space force, and we were like, you just ripped off all these uniforms from every like sci-fi show. Yeah, yeah. Like if that happened in Japan, it would be awesome.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That that, that prime minister would get. Re-elected at a heartbeat.
0: <laughs> they would like make him emperor, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, actually like Deb went to Comic Con recently and brought back a few model kits for me. And one was they called it the Gundam G40 prototype. It was like the 40th anniversary model that they made, where they brought in a designer from Ferrari. Like he's a super popular, super, I guess, established designer, I should say, to redesign the Gundam for, you know, the 40th anniversary. And his essay is like this scared me a lot because I grew up watching Gundam when I was a kid and I don't want to mess it up. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to like not do all the cool stuff that was in the original. Wow. So it has like such a presence in the culture, very much like the Marvel movies. Like, you know, there's probably fans of Spider-Man who've never read Craven's last hunt. <gasps> right. <laughs> <laughs> but also How care? Ever can kind of find their own path to Gundam. They can find like the, yeah. Like the new movie was basically a James Bond movie. Like this book's a war comic. There's ones that are like slapstick. There's actually a char comic. It's like a four-panel comic about him, if he was kind of stupid. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah.
3: that, sounds, that sounds more of my speed.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I'll have to send you a link. There's it's yeah. on Comic Walker, I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm. And it's kind of cool that Like This is probably what the Marvel Universe looks like to someone looking in from the outside, where it's just this weird tangle of horrible things. But when you get inside the tangle, you're like, oh, this is actually not that bad. There's a lot to enjoy about being in this pit.
3: I've had a theory for a while that whether Gundam and me is like some people and cilantro. Like, mm. <laughs> like, like, it's genetic, like a genetic thing. Like, my neighbor doesn't like cilantro because it tastes like soap. Like, and I go, cilantro's yeah. good. She goes, no, oh, oh, And it's just, her genes are such that how she tastes it is different.
4: Mm-hmm. And
3: then I thought, no, 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 that's, you know, I can't be so glib and say it's just like I have the wrong chromosome set. <laughs> because, like, you know, there are actually, like, there's Kizama, who is a Japanese artist who draws the Transformer comics for IDW. She draws yeah. Mecca. There's, you know, Chuhayashida who draws Dorahedoro. There is I mean you were talking about Emaria's liking Gundam. And so I thought, no, it's just me then.
2: <laughs> You're broken, Deb. You're broken inside. I just I just One don't, day we'll find your Gundam.
3: I don't know what it is.
2: <laughs> it, it'll <laughs> probably it'll probably be these four panel strips of char.
3: No, but I I love Pacific Rim, and see that's what I don't get. It's like why Gundam is just like this is as far from Pacific
2: Rim, like Pacific Rim
0: is Fast and the Furious. This Um. is like (laughs) what was that movie about the F one guys who are rivals with each other? That was super boring.
1: Oh, Ford versus Ferrari.
0: Yes.
2: (laughs) Super
4: boring. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay.
2: (laughs) I don't know. It was super boring.
1: Different approaches, (laughs) essentially. Oh, the cracks in the chip, that's David of how Alliance are beginning yeah. to show.
3: <laughs> <laughs> David and I, were, we had lunch together this past weekend. And we were talking about how there's a trope where boys love robots and girls don't get it. Like this was in One Piece where oh, yeah. Frankie is, is a cyborg and then he transforms himself into these different things and he makes himself into super shogun Robot Frankie and then like Ustap and Chopper are like oh they're amazing you know they're thrilled you know they have scars and they're so excited at the idea that the fact that oh my god we have this giant robot on our side and then you know Robin yeah. and Nami are like what whatever's dudes like like they just don't get <laughs> it so this that's the trope yeah. right yeah then there's like 20th century boys Ooh. there's a part in the book in the book where there's going to be this giant robot that the that enemies are trying to create this walking giant robot and then, or they want to. And then the engineers in the comic are like, dude, this is impossible. Like physically, this is impossible to make something shaped like a man that will walk. Why don't you make a ball with threads on it and that will work.
4: <laughs> but <laughs> so oh. then,
3: it's this whole like poking fun at the fact that there's a generation of boys who so desperately want a talking robot
0: <laughs> yeah it really is and that honestly there's a walking gundam in yokohama yeah that they're building they're working on oh it's, it op- it's very slowly
1: It it's open and you can go see it if you can get into japan which most people can't but yeah I, I finally broke down after the first year in quarantine and was like all right i'll watch the video to see it and it is majestic it is <laughs> absolutely beautiful i hope to see it with my own eyes one day <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah it's kind of yeah it's kind of awesome it's sort of like if you could just go to the
0: baxter building or dr strange's apartment or house brownstone in new york yeah.
2: mm-hmm. like it was just a place i would, I would
0: cool.
3: yeah i went to kobe to see the giant tetsujin
2: that oh was me too great. also awesome <laughs> what's a tetsujin
3: a gigantor
2: sorry what's a gigantor <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's a robot it's a giant robot that predated gundam Okay, uh, and it was a different. It was like I think done in the fifties or sixties, but this was when the giant robot was a standalone character, and then the boy was outside of the robot c- as a friend and controller of the robot. So Gundam yeah, is yeah. different because then the ro- the the boy is inside the robot, which is apparently. Yeah. Big evolutionary move. <laughs>
2: so is, is. is so is Gundam the first time that was done? Somebody piloting? First I think time, mazinger.
0: It's given credit for being the first real robot, like okay. real robot as a genre. So mazinger is super robot, where it's basically magic robots. Yeah, it's yeah, like sci-fi. Yeah. While real robot is like the sci-fi or hard sci-fi version. Okay. So this is the one that gets the credit for being like, no robots should be like have physics and things like that.
3: Robots should yeah. look like they're metal.
2: Yeah. yeah.
3: Robots should look like they're heavy.
2: Yeah, robots <laughs> Robots as machines of war.
3: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Versus fantasy, just because I can draw it, it is.
0: Yeah. Robots is vehicles instead of friends. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's do final yeah, thoughts. Kinda. I think we've had a pretty good conversation on The Origin. <laughs> Let's go Christopher, Deb,
1: Chip. This is like when I read, oh, uh, this is like when I watched Lord of the Rings. I never read the Lord of the Rings books. I'm not very well read with fantasy, but I did really get into Dragonlance one summer when I was young and Dragonlance <laughs> is like a Dungeons and Dragons spinoff. And with no offense to Weiser Hickman who wrote the Dragonlance books, that's just Lord of the Rings. And you kind of crossed out some names and put some other names in. And it's like huge plot points, characters, character types, all of it. It's like they were they were doing a Dungeons and Dragons campaign with Lord of the Rings characters, which itself... <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons only exists because of Lord of the Rings and like turned it into like what if we made this about dragons instead of trolls done dragon lights boom and it was just like they took this from this other thing and it's really good like it's like really fun pulpy fantasy adventure stuff Lord of the Rings is also a pulpy fantasy adventure thing but it is bogged down with technical details and songs and characters that don't make any sense songs. and it's like wow. 8,000 pages or some shit like yeah, if anyone has to hear anything about Tom Bombadil again, they're going to lose their minds. Is all I hear about Lord of the Rings. And like Dragonlance and is like it's
0: a grudge in here.
1: Well, no, it's like, wow. But they, there's, they cut a lot out of that. Those movies put it that way. And Dragonlance is like the, the, the reader friendly version of Lord of the Rings. And I feel like I have seen all of the reader friendly versions of this Gundam story of this like very first Gundam story. Like Robotech is just this story like the first Macross, like part of Robotech, like everything from the clear, like love triangle that's developing between Fra and Amaro and, and Saya, And like then the, the handsome bad guy on the other team, like all of that kind of stuff is in Robotech with Rick and Lynn and Lisa and what boring ass names <laughs> yeah right none of them are named where's a where's a fraud there's where's not the a fraud
2: fra to be found <laughs> no
1: they all have very it was roy
2: foker
0: it was it's roy foker
1: name. named after the plane sorry but he I'm, sorry and then like the real death that happens in robotech the fact that it's a bunch of civilian refugees that end up on a military ship by accident due to like an accident that happens and they end up not being able to escape and they all have to integrate oh all of that stuff it's all there in robotech and i think all there and a lot of stuff that came after. And I think that that's reading this allowed has allowed me to unlock a lot of the things mm. the, the the hidden depths of a lot of things that I like. And I think that that's, you know, I think whether or not I like it is kind of besides the point of it's worth reading. So yeah, Gundam, it's the whole thing. Deb, what'd you think?
3: Well, I was, I walked in here knowing I was going to have the unpopular opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I was going to be probably the subject of a flame war from all the Gundam fans who are like, woman, what are you thinking? How can you not see the uh, the universal, amazing, undeniable appeal of Japan's greatest giant robot franchise? And to which I say, I see some of it. Mm. (laughs) Not everything you see? I think it's important to read. I think it's interesting. But yeah, not not the thing that floats my boat. <laughs> but it is, I think, important to read and understand, to understand pop culture in Japan, mm, understand mm. fandom culture in Japan, and understand, I guess... David. Engineers. David. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry,
2: and, yeah,
3: and, I, and yeah, David. You know, it's like, I, like I've said this a couple of times, like, you know, David introduces me the things that I normally wouldn't pick up for myself and then i always find the journey while not someplace i would have gone independently mm-hmm. i find the journey to be fascinating like buying gundam kits for david at san diego not comic con <laughs> was an enlightening experience because i was the cranky old lady at the booth going what is this thing? <laughs> All these boxes look the same. Is it this thing or that thing? Do you guys have SKUs? Do you have like item numbers? I have no idea <laughs> whether I'm buying the right damn box of things or not. So can you help me? Because I am a grudgy old lady who has no damn time to figure this shit out. Oh my
2: God. But I want to
3: make my friend happy. So help me out,
0: please. It worked. It
3: did. I got, three, I got three things. And I considered that a win.
0: (laughs) I'll send pictures. I put one together already. I'll send it to Chris for the show notes.
1: Perfect. I would love to see it. That's great.
3: (laughs)
0: Yeah, Gundam, it's
1: it's
3: it's an essential read. (laughs) If you ever if you want to understand Japan and pop culture, I guess you gotta. I tried.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And chip.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean I I don't know enough about uh anything really to say it's an essential read (laughs) it feels like it should be an essential read i I think this is the kind of book that i would suggest to comic book artists just to see yeah a new way to show technology and an interesting way to lay out pages i think in, in action scenes so from, from from that perspective, I think I think it, people should pick it up. The story is kind of like, like I said, like as soon as that kid climbs into that robot, I'm like, I know exactly what I'm getting here. <laughs> as soon as you see Char, it's like, oh, right, I know who you are. Yeah, I'd I, I suggest people picking it up to check it out based on the art and the color pages, which are quite lovely. Yeah, very rare
0: for manga-splating. I know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I won the podcast. <laughs> like this is the, the win state. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I really enjoyed reading Gundam The Origin. It's it's a good entry point into something that's potentially very deep. It's, you know, like the picture of the iceberg where it's like on top is Gundam and underneath you just get lower and lower until it's like Crossbone Gundam and Gundam Igloo and things like that. Sure. Real names, by the way. 100%. Shut up! No! <laughs> <laughs> I you are just pulling out yeah. of your... <laughs> no way. But it's... I like seeing other subcultures that like I'm not necessarily a part of, like hardcore like Beatles fans or Gundam fans, Military Otaku, they all have different things that are interesting to me. And this book is like a cool way to kind of get a taste of that without having to, you know, do the same things that they're doing.
2: I like comparing hardcore Beatles fans to hardcore
0: Gundam fans. The the level of minutiae I would bet is about the same. I was I was no. I was a hardcore Beatles
3: fan, and I can attest to it. Yes,
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like no, those like Lennon wore those pants on this day in 1971. This is completely wrong. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and this outtake of Maxwell Silver Hammer is actually on the B side of blah 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 blah. Yeah. See? I, no, I know, I know.
0: But I'll, thank you for listening to our conversation.
1: Do you have something, Chris? Well, I wanted to ask because I asked you this a little while ago, and I yeah. don't know if you've had a chance to rectify it in the. This reminded me a lot of Shin Godzilla. Shin Godzilla. Mm. Have you watched that yet? I saw that like three times in the theater. Okay, so you did see that one. That's what <laughs> you were talking. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. but did you so
0: like,
2: watch it?
1: So the no, idea I was of like distracted. the military procedural version of a Godzilla movie as opposed to a Godzilla movie, mm-hmm. and that's the whole time I was thinking about. It, I was like, this is the Shin Godzilla version. Like, it's interesting that mm. this came first as opposed to later. But this is the Shin Godzilla version of Gundam where it's like instead of it being like a monster movie where you, the monster comes up and you get all that kind of stuff the focus is really on the organizational planning committee that's been convened to deal with the Godzilla problem <laughs> which is like and they end up saving the day and that's like the thing it's like yeah, yeah the japanese have a different way of doing things but in the end it works out and it does and it did and that's kind of the message of of Shin Godzilla in a couple of ways and i think that's really interesting and i was reading this going man this is the Shin Godzilla of, of Gundam and it's just like we're going to learn about all the people that put together all the things that happen. We're going to get an occasional fight or like a inside Char's mind as he thinks he's a badass. And he, you know, he is. <laughs> yeah, he is. Honest. But like, really, it's going to be about being back at base and arguing about the politics of whether or not to attack right now. And <laughs> that's what this was. And it was like, yeah, I think I can appreciate it on that level. So, that yeah, it's my final, final, a final.
0: comparison level. is really good because. In the back of this volume, there's an essay from Hideaki Anno, who directed Shin Godzilla and Neon Genesis Evangelion, where he's basically like, kids these days don't know anything about good stories or anime. This is the, <laughs> the real raw uncut. This is what you need. Yeah. So that totally makes sense. All right. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to play an ad, or maybe we'll just get right back to the podcast, depending on how lucky you are today. And then we'll have a manga explaining, listen to me, and then some shoutouts. We'll see you in a bit. Hello, and welcome to Manga Explaining. Listen to Me. I am David Brothers, and I am joined by the amazing Emma Rios, the co-creator of Pretty Deadly, creator of ID, co-creator of Mirror, and a bunch of other really cool comics. How are you doing today?
5: I'm super weeaboo manga fun.
0: <laughs> Hello, <laughs> That's everyone. why we get along so much, <laughs> so well.
5: <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I'm super happy to be here. I mean, I've been listening to every program, and as I'm a fan of the of all this stuff, I'm very happy. Sorry about the Czech accent. I mean, I'm a Spanish, so it's always a little difficult to understand me, but I'll try to speak a little slowly.
0: So. No, your accent is beautiful. It is great.
5: Yeah. yeah.
0: Emma is my Gundam teacher. You've kind yeah, of helped me teacher. figure out what I like. <laughs> <laughs> You're my bright Noah.
5: <laughs> no, no, no. Don't say that because, I don't know, I follow a lot of people on Twitter that are really hardcore fans. Mm-hmm. So it's, I always feel like super ignorant. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's Me like, too. i'm always like in everything like 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 like, like oh. yeah <laughs> yeah dude it's like they they post a lot of stuff like domino interviews fans translated and all that so it's like i
0: yeah, saw one that was dope. random screenshots from gundam episodes from like hmm. six or seven gundam series that was just just images it was really nice
5: yeah yeah i love it i, yeah. I don't know like i always say this but it's like my deal is quite a mess so i <laughs> i i put notifications on people i like to, nice. <laughs> to to never miss a thing. So mm-hmm. I have a lot of stuff from Final Fantasy 14 and Gundam and Friends, and that's it. You know, I, like, love it. I have a second second deal, like high, hidden deal for me. Yeah,
0: <laughs> we like, need a Final Fantasy 14 <laughs> manga so we can do an entire to, episode.
5: Yeah, <laughs> we need something like that. You know, you have to play the critically acclaimed video game.
0: <laughs> it's free trial up to level six. Free
5: 16. trial and yeah, heavens worth. <laughs> yeah i can't oh, believe we man. are saying this here
0: <laughs> and i'm gonna leave it all in too it's great play final fantasy 14 people it's a really good game
5: and there's a lot of gundam love there because they are quite fans of i mean you see that everywhere well enough publicity for these people yeah it <laughs> looks like we are paid for it <laughs> Well they paid in you know in enjoyment e- in enjoy- and the game <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> you are you're a gundam fan i feel like it's fair to say like i'm a variety of Gundam things, a variety of Gundam TV shows. What is it that you enjoy about Gundam in general?
5: The drama. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I don't know, my experience with Gundam is very awkward because here in Spain, it was very difficult to to get an email and stuff in the early 2019s, I don't know, which is when everything started for everyone. Mm-hmm. So um, the first time I watched <laughs> what Gundam was, of course, an illegal copy on VHS. Mm-hmm. The first one I saw was 079, but just like mm-hmm. it was in in Japanese with Chinese subtitles, so <laughs> I couldn't speak Japanese at all. But you know, as I way about like starting my teens, mm-hmm. there I managed to learn like a few words here and there. So it, it's everything is like so expressive too. So you could figure out, even if you weren't understanding the story, you could figure out some stuff here and there and then with a few scenes that you may have at home, like talking about mm-hmm. the series and about what it was famous in Japan. You were just like putting two and two together. So more or less my first experience with Canon was basically imagined in my head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was too intense. Later I managed to find a way my way to 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 get to Japanese DVDs and Buying stuff in the UK and stuff, but it's like those 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 beginnings were like pretty amazing. So I don't know. Like for me, I always felt it was very important. I always felt that it was very different from other robot shows. Mm -hmm. I was more used to. I think like they were like totally centric in the characters. So what I like from Gundam is that they don't want to be like epic or heroic in the average sense of it you know Mm -hmm. like from from the first series i like I, i i feel like until we got to more modern stuff like wing and stuff nobody wanted to fight you know yeah so
0: camille especially
5: yeah so for me it was like wow this is pretty hardcore because I can see people suffering inside and the robots were feeling more like coffins than instead of, mm-hmm. you know, weapons. Mm-hmm. Actually, we are told that they are like super solid stuff, like very big, but they don't protect at all. They are constantly exploding in space. Yeah. And L- you are only arms. hearing the screams because they managed to find a way in which you are always conscious that they are not just machines, that they mm-hmm. are people inside So, yeah, it's the drama and how character-centric is and how the characters were unlikable. I mean, Mm -hmm. I love Amuro a lot, Amuro, but it's like, I don't like him, you know?
0: Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Like, he's interesting to see, but you don't necessarily love the character for who he is.
5: No. No. And also, Char is a fascinating character. Um, you love it because the design is amazing, and because he is like the Count of Monte Cristo, you know, with his audience <laughs> and all that stuff. you like, know, it's so attractive, and mm-hmm. it's very so manga in a sense, you know, the kind of the kind of dude you want to like and you want to become like him you
4: know, mm-hmm. somehow.
5: But he, you know, he's like uh, sometimes I define him like he's a loser with a smile. <laughs> you know, so because even if he's uh, the villain, he, it's difficult for him to win. And then, growing on the, sherry, on the series, on, on the story, the whole lore of gandam, mm-hmm. he becomes like quite disappointing because there is a moment in which you almost believe that he could be a good person. Mm-hmm. But then, when when he gets to power. He shows his colors and fails even to himself, because I think he, instead of Gundam, for example, I think he even believes, he gets to believe that he can be a good person for a moment.
4: Mm -hmm.
5: But, you know, power corrupts. And (laughs) I think that's a big point in Gundam. Like, power, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. it's corrupted. So there's not a figured evil or something like created to be evil it's like just humans fighting against each other
4: Mm -hmm.
5: everybody has some kind of goal politically morally everybody believes that what they are doing is right so yeah it's like i have to do this and you're in the middle so i have to fight you yeah you know it's more like this than instead of well, an ancient civilization of aliens that are going to invade my planet, so I'm going to fight for my life. You know they fight for their lives and for the lives of others, but they don't want to, and they do it because there is no other choice for them mm-hmm. to leave.: Yeah, yeah, and then there's the other thing of mostly the ones who have to fight are kids, very young, so you have the adults sending kids to fight in their stead so they, so everybody can leave, you know, and all mm-hmm. the pressure they put on the children. It's like a proto-evangelium, even if I love evangelium and nano and everything. Yeah. But it's true that that approach still feels a little more natural in Gundam than in Eva.
0: Yeah, think. definitely. Your point about the coffins is really good, because while I was reading Gundam Thunderbolt, I realized, you know, they have mm. the coffin, the shields that are mounted, and mm-hmm. they look like coffins, like Django from, yeah. you know, cowboy movies.
5: It's a sad.
0: And it's such a striking image, like it's very like they're cool giant robots but there's a melancholiness to them as well
5: yeah, Like, they're absolutely. very sad yeah yeah I, yeah. Think, I don't know it's like but well, that's very you know that's very manga like the sadness and the language mm-hmm. and all that stuff that's one of the of the things I like from um, you know the boring, this kind of culture, I love the the I love the sad part of things. Yeah. In an epic battle or in epic lives or whatever, you know, it's not so yeah, I don't know. It's like it's just the drama. That's that's why <laughs> that's why I like it.
0: Yeah, same here.
5: It's it's not that it's soap opera, but you can almost feel it that way somehow. You mm-hmm. know? Like it's not that you you just want to of course it's fascinating to see to you know, to understand all the sense of wonder of the strategy behind the bottles, and uh, you know how smooth gravity and everything feels. You mm-hmm. know, when you're watching that, that you can be immersed by the atmosphere and all. But you know, sometimes you just want to to see uh, what Charlie's going yeah. to do now, or yeah. <laughs> what, what is he going to hit Amuro, or what what <laughs> is going to happen with Lala now. You know, that stuff is fascinating to me. Yeah. So it's like the mix, you know?
0: Yeah. And Deb mentioned something on the podcast that we didn't get super into, but that she thought Gundam was mostly for boys for, you know, <laughs> men. And I thought it was really funny because most of the Gundam, most of the big Gundam fans I know are like you and Sarah Horrocks. Hmm. And, you know, others, I think Gundam Wing being the first Gundam to come to the U.S., come to the West, trans- yeah. translated means there were a lot of uh, women fans for that as well. So yeah. how do you feel about male gays in Gundam?
5: There's a very nice documentary on the NHK can- channel about Tomino and all the people behind them. there's Jazz and everyone. Mm-hmm. They talk about it. And there is a moment in which Tomino, well, they are speaking about that. At the beginning, they had to compete with Yamato and they didn't have any means to do it because there was very few money and nobody was betting for them.
1: Mm-hmm. So
5: <laughs> everybody was like calling Tomino and saying that it it wasn't working, that the audience wasn't watching um and at the same time, he was receiving like some fun letters from people, and most of them were women. So mm. he was like, the women are going to save the show. And actually, they did. Yeah. when there was a moment in which it was going to be canceled, and they started sending letters like, how are they going to cancel this? Don't cancel Gandam and sending drawings and stuff, you know, pure fandom, hardcore fandom. Mm-hmm. Like, don't, don't, don't do anything to these characters. He says, well, it's to me, you know, So he says it's like that. It was that they were more that they were able to see through the show that it wasn't only about fighting and epicness. That it was mm-hmm. about family and about this is pretty awful to say, you know, because women yeah. always like also like that stuff. But it's like to him. He, but I understand what he wants to say, you know, when mm-hmm. when he says this. Also, he's very old and stuff, so we can be <laughs> a little forgiving.
0: Yeah. A little
5: kind. Yeah, but I, I understand that he thought that the women were the ones who were understanding that behind Gundam there was something else, that behind the robots there was something else. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like, well, that's absolutely true, because it's what we were doing talking about <laughs> just right before, <laughs> you know, about the characters, the characters are the center of it, and the most important stuff. So mm-hmm. to me, even, sometimes it feels almost like a soyamanga, manga, especially with Char and Charles drama with her sister, and um, in Zetaunda when we get to talk about it, yeah, you know the women are amazing there. Even if it was very criticized because there are a lot of women in, the, uh, there are a lot of women in the fridge.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: but because actually there are a lot of women, you know,
0: it balances out a little bit.
5: I don't know. That doesn't happen very often, yeah.
0: And there's an image in Gundam Origin that I thought was really good where Char meets Sela and it's yeah. like the full-on shoujo manga, super handsome Char.
5: Yeah, well, because it's a so super good. handsome Soyo prototype. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, like, I, I sometimes analyze your some manga, like, shoujo manga is about creating super amazing male characters so you can decide which one you like better. It's yeah. like an atomic game, right? So, mm-hmm. Char can perfectly be an atomic game. You know, <laughs> like, he's like—he's <laughs> almost like you know, out of a so your manga from the seventies. You know, like totally. he, he smiles like petals of flowers like <laughs> go behind him. You know,
0: his hair is always flowing yeah. in the wind.
5: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. That stuff. it's um, it's amazing. Uh, we are going to talk about origin the manga, and then yeah. we are going to talk about. I'm going to bring a little about the show, Mm -hmm. because it's a little different, even if the first volume is cheating a little, because the first volume basically adapts it almost like the same, but for a few scenes, one of the scenes is actually the moment they meet Shaila and Char. Mm
4: -hmm.
5: On the TV show, Char feels more like insecure, like, (laughs) oh wow, this is my sister? No, no, my sister was kinder than this. You know? <laughs> Which <laughs> is amazing. They meet uh, actually in the outside of the colony because the condom is outside. They, they didn't put it inside. So it's like, it, it's a ah. of the setting. So it's like, the grass is flowing like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very sounds like,
4: perfect. <laughs> yeah,
5: yeah, yeah. And he doesn't take off the mask for a while. And then Sila just recognizes her brother anyway. Yeah. But it's like, he was like, and he kicks the gun at the same time.
4: But mm-hmm.
5: then it's like, did I give my sister, you know? <laughs> 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 and then he does that in original the manga as well. But the meeting is like super badass like yeah. manga dark you know <laughs> <laughs> totally like i'm the bad guy i am super handsome and i'm going to hang you like this you know like almost yeah. the cabedon stuff you know <laughs> exactly <laughs> very sexy and then when he's alone and more quite thin then she wonders was that my sister no, Artesia was kinder.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <No>. so good. <laughs> it's so good. That kind of was sto- kind of like subtle storytelling. I don't even know if it's subtle. That kind of storytelling makes Origin really fun to read. Yeah. Because even though I know there's this whole history of Gundam behind it, like, Origin sort of stands alone. Like, I can just read that and get the full picture. Yeah, yeah,
5: yeah. Well, the story of that, I don't know. I imagine it's related to something that there was they tell in the documentary as well. It's about, yeah got sick in the middle of the production. Jazz was Mm -hmm. the hardcore part. I mean, if we think of it as a crew, the captain and the second-in-command were like Tomino and Jazz, because Mm -hmm. Jazz was was the animation director. And he was working on storyboards and animating stuff. And he was doing all the cuts and everything. So he got sick, had to be several months at the hospital. And it Mm -hmm. was like total drama. In fact, in the documentary, they describe it as like we have lost that moral. You know, wow. <laughs> we had all, we could only trust bright now. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it was super. Heavy. <laughs> it was like so, he was at the hospital. And he says something that he was very, very suffering a lot seeing the awful episodes. You know, like yeah. because, because he couldn't be there to fix it. So he was very happy when they did the films because he was able to. Fix some of the stuff that they mm-hmm. couldn't do properly when he was at the hospital, like, like right. in the, <laughs> like uh, disasters. So I imagine like part of that affects in terms of his decision of doing something like Origin, mm-hmm. as if this was like such a fascinating story, but I want to do it my own.
0: Yeah, so
5: it, it, it's quite amazing. I mean, to me, because it's. Of course, he's like they were like that and that, you know, like two fathers of Gundam, the first show. So, you know, he thought he may have thought it was totally legit that he could do it completely himself. (laughs) No, no. no. So he he goes so far, like Mm -hmm. in the manga, like building the characters from the inside in a very intimate way and creating all the backstories. Because even if the first volume is, like, very attached to how the original series is told, then it totally changes and starts telling the story behind Char.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: And that's fascinating because even in, in the show, even if you can feel like Char is a bad guy, he's smiling and he's handsome, so you, you, know, you cannot endure that and say, like, oh, he's charming anyway, you know. Yeah. But then in origin, you get to know why he does what he does. And he's pure evil sometimes, so mm-hmm. it's like, "Well, he's charming, but wow, I'm scared, you know that's <laughs> that stuff, so it's quite amazing, and like yeah, I don't know, like I think it's a very it's a great experience to to be able to experience both. Mm-hmm. The films now are very easy to watch because they are on Netflix and stuff. The problem with the films is like that they have to add so much stuff and they don't have a very good pacing, in my opinion.
0: Mm, I've heard that before with the other films as well.
5: Yeah, it was like, it's so... Well, it happens, it happens with every film they try to do, like trying <laughs> to do the summary of things. Now yeah. you were super lucky and uh, you have the chance to watch Macross Plus on theaters in the States, I think. Oh yeah, place. just a couple of weeks ago. Mm. Yeah, but did you compare the film, with the original stuff, with the original, so it's like, it lacks so much. feeling mm. you know, like not, it's not finished because, you know, the thing, the story, the writing, everything is there. But sometimes you just need like stuff to be slow.
0: Yeah. Like you know? downtime or. Yeah, yeah absolutely.
5: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, the films are alright If you want to, if you are tired and you don't want to see like old animation, like moving like super slowly <laughs> on the street, <laughs> okay. I mean, it can be forgiven, but. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's charming. <laughs> no, I don't know. I just want people to hope on Gundam because it's amazing and fascinating. And I want all the praise to Domino and all the stuff mm-hmm. because they were like visionaries, real ones.
0: yeah for sure i'm like i wish i'd found gundam a little i wish i'd learned gundam a little bit earlier because there's so much of it that i really enjoy Mm -hmm. like in zeta gundam in particular like camille kind of not being a traditionally masculine guy not liking his name not liking to fight but still being the star of a like a war anime you know Mm -hmm. it's really fascinating
5: to me yeah yeah their regular main characters they they really wanted something like like lonely and sour and you know like
0: outcast a little bit
5: outcast. yeah even if the presentation is, he's really disgusting because when Bravo comes in and he like, he's like just like undressed and ignoring hell completely and he's like we, ha- we have to leave and you haven't yeah. even had breakfast you know and like shut up you know like he's not <laughs> cool at all but then you see him depressed and you start empathize, and you have been reflected there. There is a moment I love in Origin, in the manga and also in the mm-hmm. anime. That is when, of course, yeah, he, he just gets on the Gundam for the first time. Managed more or less because the Gundam is amazing, no? So mm-hmm. he fights against charge, but it's the machine. It's always the machine, you know, until yeah. you get to know the pilot and the pilot to start to believe in himself a little, it's always a machine. Mm -hmm. But you have everyone saying like, you managed to do this, so you have to do it because there's no one else. So your mission, your duty is to do it and you have nothing to say in it. And he's like, I don't want to, but I don't have a choice, right? You know, like that. And then as Brighton and him, like, don't get along, and Shyla is, like, (laughs) the smartest one. He just, like, gets in the middle of intermediary and says, okay, I'll talk with Amuro. And then he gets in the comms and tells Amuro, "Uh, you're going to be, um, something like, it's going to be all right, or you're going to be amazing, or you can do it. And he says, don't flatter me. (laughs) You know, it's like... Don't put more pressure on me. I don't need yeah. you to tell me that it's going to be all right. I'm doing this because I have no choice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but that's really good.
5: That is amazing, you know, like don't don't flatter me. It's like everything is going to be all right. It's like get on the air about you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the same. So, you know, that's I like that. Cool. <laughs> I like that.
0: Do you have anything you want to let us know about that you have coming out any new books or anything you want to Uh, ah,
5: No, I'm working on a very long-term project. We've like <laughs> been here like for more for almost two years, but that mm-hmm. uh, soon hopefully soon it's going to, to, to get a bit of rhythm. <laughs> you know when you work for yourself it's like crazy because you, over, you tend to overthink uh, mm-hmm. and also I'm doing things here and there to try to help finance this project and everything but uh but uh, i'm very excited like yeah i'm putting a lot of energy and you are helping me a lot
0: (laughs) i'm also very excited
5: (laughs) uh it it, will come up at some point and you know People like Camille from Setagandam has a very heavy weight in this project <laughs> somehow <laughs> on, the, on how I am working on things. Yeah, I really hope people like it when it comes out. It's called Anthulio, and maybe next year, by the end of next year or so, I can I can release for example, the first volume, for example. And then my regular books like ID, Mirror, and Pretty Deadly. I really hope well, some people will know about it, and if you don't know, and you like how I spoke. <laughs> I'm very bad at do- I'm doing this. You know, I'm horrible. Yeah. This no, you've been
0: great at this. I barely had to ask anything because you have so much to say about it. I love it.
5: Well, because it's thank Gundam. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> but thank you for talking to me.
5: Yeah. I am great. David
0: Brothers. You've been listening to Emma Rios talk about Gundam for a little bit. Look for her new book, on Ansuelo, possibly in 2022. And we will catch you later.
5: Okay. Bye bye.
0: And Welcome back. You just listened to our episode about Mobile Suit Gundam The Origin. You just listened to a conversation about Mobile Suit Gundam The Origin with the artist Emma Rios. And now you're about to listen to a few shout outs from the ultra popular Manga explaining Gang. So I'm going to go first because I'm the host this time and I'm going to give Christopher a break. <laughs> <I> <laughs> My shout out is a book called The Men Who Created Gundam. It's a manga by. Hideki Owada. It's being published by Denpa Publishing in 2022. May 2022. Yeah. yeah. And it's the story of how Gundam came to be. Like what Tomino wanted to do when he was creating the series, sort of the trials and travails they went through. The artist of Gundam The Origin is in this too, Yoshikazu Yasuhiko. It seems really cool and I'm really interested to see how it lands. Because I don't usually read historical manga. Like I'm, if, it's, if there's still violence in it, then why bother? But I think this Fair. time, this time, I think they got me. <laughs> so, Deb, what do you got for us?
3: Well, I'm really looking forward to reading The Man Who Created Gundam too, just because I think it's, I love manga about behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. I also met Yoshiki Tomino. He came to New wow. York Comic Con. Wow. I was probably the single worst choice to interview this man. <laughs> 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 because oh, I, I couldn't not genuflect at the shrine at at the man the legend (laughs) yeah the grouchy old man who has who can sniff a a fake fan a mile away
2: (laughs) oh my god i I just picture you just uh, just exactly the same as trying to find those gundam for david Like what's the difference between this and this? What is this?
3: So, dude, what's the deal with the blah blah? (laughs)
2: Nice. Yeah,
3: yeah. I don't think that that interview was ever published because, frankly, it was a painful conversation. (laughs) But I would love. So, I would love to read this book just to see what this guy's like when he's not glaring at me across the table.
0: (laughs) I think he might always be like that. Yeah.
3: (laughs) But on on a happier note, I also read uh, *Robo sapiens: uh, Tales of Tomorrow*. It's okay. a a short series of short stories about ro- the robots and how their relationship with humans in the future. It's very organic, very stylized. It kind of has like a little French alternative comics vibe to it. Uh, mm-hmm. Seven C just put it out. I think it's really worth checking out. It's by Toranusuke Shimada.
4: It's mm-hmm.
3: not typical manga, but it's I think it's really thought provoking and interesting. If if you liked Blade Runner and how Blade Runner brings up questions of what what it means to be human and a robot and where the blinds start to blur i think you'll really enjoy this book Hmm. awesome
1: christopher what do you have for us that book's actually on my list for sure i'm a big astro boy fan and a big pluto fan which has i think the best version of astro boy so yeah i was thinking about this book made me think about adaptations and yeah this book is like it's kind of like adapting the anime, but adding a sentence to every other, like to every scene (laughs) or maybe like two sentences. And it also makes me think back to our last episode where we were talking about how like the anime smoothed out all of the comic idiosyncratic stuff in Wotokoi. Mm -hmm. This, the manga smooths out all of the idiosyncratic anime stuff in the anime. (laughs) And I think it maybe makes it one of the best adaptations of an anime, like a manga that's done after the fact that I can think of, but the other contender is Yoshiyuki Satomoto's Neon Genesis Evangelion manga, mm. which is also weird like this where it is simultaneously an adaptation of the anime, the the hit anime series, but also an alternate telling of the same story because the mangaka was the character designer for the series and contributed to the art for the original series and sort of you know worked from the original script and things like that. So his take on the same source material is different than the anime's. That manga is awesome. Satomoto is a genius like he's such a a good artist he can not only do this the super cute moe character girls he can also draw like really fierce looking scenes between characters everyone looks good uh, on the page and the the mecha are awesome like he can really just knocks the mecha drawings out of the park gives them incredible emotion with some like organic feel to them and that level of detail so yeah if you want the (laughs) if you want the like very contemporary pretty much easier to read version of uh, gundam the origin (laughs) i really strongly recommend evangelion manga viz put it out as i think 14 volumes and then there was like a five volume edition it's out of print unfortunately but there are digital rights so you can read it digitally and i shout it out here because it's the kind of thing that like what makes it good you could never pick up from reading anything except for the complete series of the manga so we're yeah. never going to cover it on manga planning It's like, I'm not going to, as much as it was make it would be to make Chip read 2,000 pages of Evangelion. <laughs> and watch the animated, so we could contrast and compare. That's maybe its own podcast, like its own yeah. multi-season podcast, rather than an episode a year. So I will yeah. say, go out and track down the Evangelion manga. It's really, really good and unique and interesting and well-drawn. And I liked it a lot. And it makes for a nice companion to what we talked about today.
2: Awesome. I do actually have a shout-out this week, I just realized. After we did the Vinland Saga episode, I think uh, David may have mentioned uh, Unforgiven as an example oh, yeah. of like somebody kind of coming out from retirement. So I watched that, and uh, it's awesome. First time? I, I don't think I saw it. when. It, maybe I saw it when it came out, but I was just like...
0: Oh, man, yeah.
2: I just didn't remember any of it. It goes uh, where you think it's going to go, but also doesn't which is <laughs> which is a really great a great thing in
1: That's the Eastwood kind of movie, right? The like yeah, yeah. sort of retcon western situation. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah cuz like oh, at the good. beginning you're just like, "Oh yeah, okay, he's like the guy who's hung up the guns and like he's going to get called back in and then he has trouble getting on his horse." I'm just like, "Oh, <laughs> okay. This is not going to go the way yeah. I think it's going to go." You know, the standard disclaimer. Some of it doesn't hold up. To today's <laughs> societal standards, uh, Jessica, my wife, kind of like noped out of it pretty quickly. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it was it's it was really, really awesome.
0: Awesome. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, that's a favorite. Yeah. I yeah. saw it when I was a kid, but I didn't get it necessarily. Hmm. But then I grew up to love that exact type of story. And then I rewatched it and was like, oh, like this is exactly what I need. Yeah, 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 for sure. And it's been endlessly ripped off ever since as well. So oh God, yeah, I can see good that. luck noticing that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to our manga explaining episode on Gundam: The Origin. We are going to take a well-deserved rest and see you next week.